0: Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer.
1: Hey, you have found your way to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for always coming back to the show or if it's your first time, thanks for being here. I started this program six and a half years ago thinking I would do 50 interviews mainly as a way for me to get inspired to grow my business and over the time I have actually had over 630 episodes with some amazing people where we have talked about ways that people can go from entrepreneurs to bigger companies and everything in between and it's all about success and growth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, I want to give a little plug for another podcast. And I know you're thinking, Tom, why would you plug another podcast? Because it's my show. I am the new host of the National Speakers Association's brand new podcast called Speakernomics. If you or someone you know makes their money with the spoken word, and that could be as a speaker, a trainer, uh, a facilitator, a podcaster, a coach, or anyone who speaks to promote themselves, they should be listening to Speakernomics because that is the show about how to make money and grow a business in speaking. So go check it out wherever you get your podcast love. So today I am excited because we have a new friend. Uh, We have a lot of mutual friends. I have heard her name so many times it's crazy, but we've never met. And recently we ran across each other on Clubhouse and I said, uh, you need to come on Making Waves at Sea Level because you're awesome. So I hope everybody is ready. Fasten your seatbelts, because today we have Leslie M. Leslie is a total badass. She is an entrepreneur. She owns a training company and trains all over the world. She is a swagger coach. Think about that. How do you describe yourself? Are you a swagger coach? What a cool thing to be. And she has a brand new book coming out called Swagger and uh, we're going to hear more about that book because uh, this is what she's all about. So, Leslie, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. This is so exciting because the name, Tom Singer, is, has mythology in <laughs> my circles. You are, you are considered one of the key badasses in our, in our kind of speaker-centric world. So I'm very honored to be here.
1: Wow, that just made my whole day. Uh, this podcast episode's over. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. No, seriously. And we're out. We're out. <laughs> so, Leslie, let's talk about being a swagger coach and about your book. Uh, what is swagger?
0: Well, uh, usually when you hear the word swagger, you associate it with that fronty, show-offy, arrogant, peacocky, kind of crotch-forward
1: Oh, Well, wait a second, action. wait a second. I live in Texas. We kind of think <laughs> swagger is like, you know, Tuesday.
0: Well, fair enough. And perhaps there is some middle ground between that version and my version, because the way that I define swagger is the ability to manifest who you really are and hold on to it in the face of all of that psychological crap that's going to come for it, regardless of situation or environment. So you are one person that shows up the same way, no matter where you are, who you're with or what the situation is.
1: I love that definition. That's fantastic. So we talk a lot to business leaders, whether they're in the C-suite or they're an entrepreneur or somewhere in between. Why does swagger matter for a leader?
0: Oh boy, why does swagger not matter for a, le- for a leader? I think that's the bigger question. I think it's it's twofold. On the one hand, you know, as, as leaders, the expectation is that Uh, they garner and develop followers because you can't be a leader without followers. And what do followers respect and admire and trust the most? Most honesty, transparency, great communication, empathy, compassion, all of the best values. When you ask anybody about their own journey uh, as they move through the ranks, and you ask them who inspired you the most as a leader or who did you admire the most and they will always tell you it's the person who what you saw was what you got, the person who I could come to for straight talk, the person who didn't have sort of a, you know, a political agenda, someone who just was there for me and was, was genuinely concerned about my growth and evolution and was straight with me and I never worried that I was seeing one thing and then when they left there was a whole nother thing happening. So if we understand that those are the people that we admire and respect and want to follow the most, then if you're not that, you are missing out on a key attribute of leadership because you cannot get the best out of your people unless you model that kind of behavior. It's just a fact. And what's, and what's heartbreaking is that so often when people get to those higher levels, the amount of pressure that they're under, the amount of scrutiny, the amount of, the amount of accountability that they have can start to change them. And you think that these people would be immune to things like the imposter syndrome or that they'd have full confidence and all of that kind of stuff. But I've seen so often that that actually gets chipped away at the further up the chain they go because of that level of expectation and that level of scrutiny. And they, they don't know how to be the leaders that they are until years and years and years have passed because everything they do is new and different and the ex- expectations are constantly changing. So there's a lot of hell and torture going on at the sea at the level and you don't have that many people to talk to because a lot of leaders convince themselves that they can't speak their truth to other people lest they look weak or vulnerable or not all over it, all of these things that they associate with with some kind of negative perception, which, by the way, is total bull. It is just not a fact. It's the opposite.
1: So that is so interesting because as you were talking, I was running through mental pictures of every boss I ever had and putting them into these little fictional columns of good leader, crappy leader. And a lot of them went into crappy leader. And it was for exactly the reasons you said. Uh, the other day, somebody asked uh, on Facebook, they were doing some research for a book and they asked, you know, what was the worst boss? And and my answer was, she was trying to prove to somebody every day that she deserved the job. She was inauthentic mm-hmm. and she was, you know, uh, putting on airs to prove to her superiors how great she was. And everybody below her just had to live in the wake. And And she went in the bad boss side. And then I thought about the person I put in the good boss side. And he was so good. I was in sales and he was a sales manager. And he figured out what each individual person was motivated by. Like one person was a single mom. So if she did something great, he'd give her an extra day off, kind of off the books. Like don't tell the big bosses, but you don't have to come in on Mm -hmm. Friday. You know, just check your email. Uh, me, I was young. My wife and I didn't have kids yet and we liked expensive restaurants, but we didn't have the means to do it very often. So if I did something good when he would pass through town, he'd take my wife and I out to a steakhouse and these things didn't cost him or the company very much money, but he knew each person and he did different things for different people. And it was so real. And as you were talking, I'm like, well, duh, this is how bosses fall into good piles and bad piles. Yeah. So why are there so many bad bosses?
0: You know what I? I think it comes down to um, to there. There are some elements, the things that I refer to as swagger blockers. Uh, we, you know, there are. I have this concentric circles model, and. Um, and it, it's designed to illustrate all of the, the things that stop our, our swagger from being released into the world. And our swagger is driven by our truth, our intention, and our self-belief. So if, if those things cannot permeate through the blockers, you're going to end up being a bit of an a-hole. And, and whether you don't mean to be, it's just that you can't get through those blockers. Um, the... I have, first of all, let me say, say for the record, I have a ton of love and compassion for these people who fall into the bad boss category, because I know that is not their intention. It's just that they don't, they don't have the capacity to do it differently because they're stuck somewhere. So I'm going to very take to quickly take you through these concentric rings. So you'll get a sense of all of the, the aspects that people get stuck in the outer ring. So first of all, imagine that you are stuck in the middle, like you're a little circle right in the middle of all this. The outer ring is persona. It's that feeling that you have to walk a certain way, talk a certain way, show up a certain way, behave a certain way. Otherwise, you will not be taken seriously and you will not be given opportunities and you will not have credibility. And we do this to ourselves. We have a mold in our minds that we need to fit into. Usually, it's the corporate environment that we're in. We look above us and we say, well, how are they behaving? Thus, I must behave that way. But it's a real heavy coat that you got to put on every single day and a mask. So that's what we do to ourselves. The next layer in is ambition. And ambition is a dicey one because it can really change who you are and the problem is that when it comes to ambition we tend to focus upwards you know we're looking I'm, I'm making little motions like I'm climbing up a ladder so we tend to focus upwards on what's the next thing up there what do I have to ascend to how am I to get how am I going to get to the next level and when you really fixate on that what you don't do is focus inwards on your own stuff to your left and right to your to your peers and your colleagues and you sure as hell aren't focusing down to your followers. So, so we then allow this, this environment to change us because we're not focusing on the right things as opposed to just being in our place of excellence and trusting that we will be lifted and supported to the next level. So now you've got ambition, reinforcing persona. Next layer in is insecurity. That's a biggie insecurity is all the what ifs. What if I don't show up a certain way? What if I don't get to that next level? What if people don't accept me? What if I don't get followed? And you are it's like the podcast from hell that never stops playing because that that tape will play in your head over and over and over again. And there is no answer to that. It's just the what ifs. And our brains do not like uncertainty. So it will have that, that imposter syndrome just kicking over and over and over. So now you've got insecurity reinforcing um. Ambition reinforcing persona. Next layer in is fear. Fear is the end of the what if. What if I this? What if I that? Oh, bad things will happen. You know, when I take people through the exercise of the what if, inevitably, they tell me that the end of the story is they're going to end up homeless on the street. And when I try and bring back back to to the most realistic point in that story, it's usually that someone gave them the side eye or someone said, eh, we're not buying so much. But our brains will choose the worst case scenario in order to prepare itself. So now you got fear reinforcing, insecurity reinforcing, ambition reinforcing persona. Last layer in is pain. Pain is proof. Pain is the, oh, I tried that one time. It did not go well. And so I'm never going there again. And that pain is memory. That could have been when you were five, for God's sake. And it still resonates with you and and you still use it as a way to protect yourself, which is why it's the final layer in. It's the castle gates, the moat, the thing that you hide behind because we all move away from pain in our lives. That's how we protect ourselves. So there you are stuck in this paradigm of, of your own making. And every time you try to get that truth, intention, and self-belief out into the world, you have to navigate and negotiate through each of those blockers, like a freaking American ninja style gauntlet, you know, they have on that show. <laughs> and it's brutal. So um, if, for example, the, the bad boss you were describing, it sounds to me like she was stuck firmly somewhere between insecurity and ambition that she didn't have the true confidence and and confidence comes from competence you know you cannot achieve confidence unless you have a degree of competence because competence is proof Confidence is comes from that. I've done it a whole bunch of times and I know I'm okay at this so I can trust that thing called called confidence. Sounds like she didn't have that confidence or she didn't trust it and she sure as hell didn't have any self-belief. So what she was looking for was a ton of external validation and she was focusing upwards and that's not where where that validation is going to come from. And she sure as hell couldn't validate herself. So that would have that would have been my loosey goosey diagnosis for what was going on with her.
1: And, and I think you nailed it. I mean, it's been many, many years. But as I look back, I'm like, oh, yep, that's where she was stuck. She was stuck firmly right there between that insecurity and ambition. And she was focused up. Yep. You, you nailed it without even having met her.
0: Well, that's what I do as a swagger coach, dude. You got to get on it really fast. Got to get on it.
1: So what can executives do and leaders do to get their swagger on?
0: Well, the first thing is that you have to want it. You know, you can't fake it. Swagger is not a, a fake it to make it thing in any way, shape, or form. Fake it to make it is the worst thing you can ever do. And that is torture for people who are going into, you know, new and progressively ascending positions. Because you always don't know what you're doing at some point. It's always a leap of faith. You're always going over the edge of, of the cliff. So the first thing is you have to, A, really want it. B, be prepared to do the work. C, have courage because you're going to have to change the way that you operate in the world. You have to start trying to speak your truth. And this is going to be a long game, a a series of practical exercises where you're going to have to do it little by little and really let the response that the world gives you go in and fill you up. Because believe me when I say that this is what your corporate environment wants from you. You you have to. I mean, you don't want to alarm people, and you don't want to run around with your hair on fire and say, "I must speak my truth," and you all must listen. That is not what I'm proposing at all. So, there is some nuance to speaking your truth. There's the where, the when, uh, the the why, and also what your intention is. But you've got to find that sweet spot where you are being as transparent as you as you can, both both eth- ethically and responsibly and show yourself to the people on your team and find that connection between you as a human being and them as a human being which is what an example of what your your great boss did and then you have to pay attention to what happens and slowly but surely you're going to build that confidence based on confidence the confidence you're trying to build is authenticity and you will develop confidence in that because you will see that all of the things you're so terrified of happening don't freaking happen. They don't. I have hundreds and hundreds of stories of what what's happened to senior executives when they have made a decision to start to embrace and unleash their swagger in the world. And believe me, they all have happy endings, every single one.
1: So can a company then if if you have the leader who does this, I mean, they're they want it. uh, They're willing to do the work. They have the courage. They get there. Can this create a culture in a company? Can can a company have a culture of swagger?
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you if you as a leader start to model it first, then what you're doing is inadvertently giving permission to people. And I, you know, I, I said to you before, Tom, I don't believe in this whole idea that you can give permission to other people to have swagger. But by modeling it, you're saying that I believe in this kind of mindset and. Uh, and, and that means that I'm going to accept and believe in your mindset change as well. But you've got to watch for toxicity. That's the worst thing. So if you've got a bunch of swagger lovers and you've got one swagger hater on your team, you're going to have to do a little something-something about that swagger hater because that is not acceptable. So it's about the baseline of what's acceptable behavior. And it's about learning to be okay with things like emotion making emotion more comfortable in your, in your culture, because, Hey, you got people, you got emotion. It's a fact of a fact. So if, if people don't feel comfortable being emotional, you've gotta, you've gotta be able to express that that is okay. Make yourself available to that. And you have to create a, a culture of psychological safety. I mean, and I'm sure that's not the first time that you've heard people talk about that. But if you think about, um, if you start to welcome the contribution of the humans in your, in your organization, just think about the next level of ideation, innovation, creativity, productivity that those people are going to be willing to release. There have been so many studies done on how much of their real selves people hold back in their business environment. And think about all of the juicy stuff that that goes along with that. We you know we've worked with countless organizations on for example creativity and innovation. And one of the biggest issues is that people do not feel comfortable sharing risky ideas because they feel like they're going to get a beat down. Because they have gotten a beat down, as opposed to an environment like, let's say, a Pixar, for example, where they say, no, 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 you've got to bring everything to the table, everything. There are no wrong answers. There are no bad answers. We have a culture of divergence, which means expressing everything. And then we work as a collective to diverge on what we feel best fits criteria. No bad ideas, just ones that happen to solve this problem right now.
1: My, my head is spinning about all this. I, I, I you know, it's rare. It's, trust me, people who know me will say, Tom, it's rare to find Tom speechless. Uh, so at this point, I'm going to thank the sponsor of this episode. And then we're going to talk to Leslie M. just a little bit more. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Leslie M. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Leslie, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. Was high school Leslie full of swagger?
0: Oh, high school Leslie. Well, I think, I think it was, but it, but it sure wasn't easy. Let me tell you, because I was a lot of human. You know, I grew up in, in Montreal, you know, Jewish, middle class. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cute and all, but I'm older. So this was, imagine we're talking about the 70s. So I grew up, uh, I was born in 64, do the math, people. Uh, so in the 70s, I, uh, at 14 years old, probably about 14, embraced the whole punk new wave movement. So there I was, this Jewish middle class girl with a mohawk and like, you know, like purple Gr- dyed hair. Grandma
1: loved that.
0: Uh, yeah, no, everybody loved that. That was like, people used to stare at me on the street, but I'm so fortunate that I I was raised by parents who said, do you boo? You wow. know, you gotta-
1: Wow, I, w- I wanna step in here because we're about the same age. I won't admit that I'm two years younger than you, but based on the numbers you gave, I would be two years younger. So we're the same generation. And I don't think a lot of parents said, I got you boo during that time.
0: I understand how incredibly lucky I was to be raised by by those kinds of parents. And one of the things that my mother said to me, I remember I was, I was about 14, 15, and I'm, I'm looking like, a you know, uh, just not mainstream. Can we say that for the record? And I, I, I was not getting a lot of boy action because the boys were not feeling. They just didn't know what the hell to do with me. I had not found my people yet. And I came home to cry to my mother one day and said, you know, maybe I should just start being like everyone else and maybe I should just conform. And she said, uh, 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 let me tell you something. If you pretend to be anything other than you're not and somebody likes you, they are not liking you for who you really are. And they're going to figure out it, figure it out eventually. And then you're going to get rejected and that's heartbreaking. She said, you've got to be exactly who you are from the minute you show up. And then you know who really, you know, who is a real swagger lover and who isn't. And she said, besides, if a guy's too dumb to recognize what an amazing girl you are, what would you want to go with such a dumb guy for anyway? And we can we can extrapolate that to, to the company is too dumb. People are too dumb. Anything is too dumb. And it was this, this thing that stayed with me my whole life because I said, look, I'm not for everyone. And that's totally okay. I do not need the world to love me. All I want to do is to be in my place of purpose and to do my good work. And some people go and dig it and some people aren't.
1: And that is, I mean, I'm just thinking about my own career. I've had gigs as a speaker that I've wanted or back when I, I, you know, when I worked for companies, companies I wanted to hire me. That didn't, and almost always, I'm better off when those people that I didn't match with, who didn't get me, or even in our speaker industry, there's a lot of people who talk behind people's backs, and you know, uh, you think you're friends, and then somebody tells you, "Oh, this is what they're saying," you know, when you're not in the room, and and your feelings get hurt, and then you realize, like, "Oh my God, I am so much better off without that person's negative crap in my life." Oh yeah. But it's a lesson. Oh, yeah. It's a lesson that not a lot of people learn, right?
0: No, because they're, they're too afraid to take that risk. I mean, it's something that I coach people on who are looking to to take on a new role, whether it be internally or, or, you know, externally. And I say to them, you got to show up You got to show up as exactly who you are, because if they hire you, you don't have to fake it from day one. It is the most liberating thing in the world because they hired you for who you were. And every time I've coached someone to do that, they have inevitably gotten the job. And they were able to walk in with their swagger intact. They didn't have to fight through all of that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's 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 swagger will ebb and flow, and there's going to be checks and balances and stuff. But they didn't go, "Oh my god, how do I assimilate into the board now?" They went, "I'm a free agent. I'm showing
1: up." So the best compliment I've ever received as a speaker, like at big conferences, is a couple of years ago I was the speaker for a mortgage company for like their top 800 salespeople, and. I didn't know it, but one of the people in the audience was one of my college fraternity brothers, and he wasn't oh. somebody I kept in touch with. He was a few years younger. Uh, we had overlapping friends, but uh, we we didn't run in the same circle. So I didn't know he was going to be there. He didn't know I was going to be there. And of course, they introduced the speaker, and you know how you are, You're sitting at 800 people in an audience. He's like, oh, I went to college with a guy with that name. And he looks up, and I looked the same. I mean, it was me. And he literally takes out his phone, and he starts texting all of our mutual friends, and- He shows me this afterwards. I don't know. He's there. He comes up afterwards and he goes, you got to see this text stream and they're all making fun of me. They're like, Oh, I heard he does this. Is he in a blah, blah, blah. And one person says all kidding aside, is he any good? And his answer was he's great. But the interesting part is he's the same guy you would have had a beer with at the frat house in the way he tells stories that he is on stage. And I looked at that as the single biggest compliment I've ever had as a speaker.
0: When people's when we talk about unleashing swagger, part of what you have to figure out is who you really are, and for a lot of people, that's a big stretch. So I would say to them, go back and talk to somebody from like tenth grade who you've been friends with ever since, and they'll tell you who you, who you really are. Because I, I say, look, if you want to see what your swagger gap is, meaning meaning how far from who you really are you become. Go talk to your friend from 10th grade who you're still friends with. Talk to someone who's known you like 10 years and go to talk to somebody at work who's known you like a year. And if they all say completely different things about you, you know you are not keeping it real. And the the, the truth is you're most like the the guy or the girl or the person you were in 10th grade. There, The core of you is still that. You've evolved and you've grown and stuff, but I am still that girl. And like people meet me now and I go, oh my God, we always knew that you were going to be this or that you were always so creative or you're always so passionate or you're yeah, I'm still still me you know. Son's mohawk but that's about all that's different
1: i don't know you'd look great with a mohawk today i think
0: i, I can rock it yeah, I still to- a mohawk. totally
1: could so yeah give me the full title of your book with the with the subtitle and where people can find it and what the release date is
0: it is swagger unleash everything you are and become everything you want it uh, it comes out on May 10th, and you can get it on every Groovy Groovy book platform everywhere.
1: And it's Leslie M. E. H. M. is the way you That's spell right. that. So everybody, I bet you can pre-order it on Amazon. Probably sure already. Can. So sure can. I would say go pre-order Swagger by Leslie M. That's E. H. M. So Leslie, last advice for anyone listening to Making Waves at Sea Level how how can our executives and and other people on the on the ladder How can they make some waves?
0: I think the key is to stop telling yourself the story that you cannot succeed by being exactly who you are because the opposite is true. Your swagger is waiting for you. So what are you waiting for?
1: Boom. I think we call that a mic drop in the podcast world. Thank you so much, Leslie M., for being here on this show. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I know, like a broken record, I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do the show? I do it so that you can learn. My little personal university of talking to smart people has been opened up for everybody. And we aren't stopping anytime soon. I'm looking forward to the next six and a half years and the next 630 plus episodes. So check us out wherever you get your podcast love. Make sure also that you tell a friend because here's the thing. I talk to people all the time, and they say, oh, I like your podcast. I say, how did you find my little show? And they say, my mother, my brother, my boss, my cousin, my neighbor, somebody told them about it. So while I love those reviews that all podcasters ask for, yes, go to Apple Podcasts, give me the five stars, makes me smile, but more important, go tell a friend, and Go flex your entrepreneurial and business muscles out there in the world. Make sure your career ladder is against the right wall because no matter how much swagger you have, you don't want to climb to the top of the career ladder and realize that I had my ladder in the wrong place. I did that for a long time. Bad idea. And then the last thing is while you're out there doing all this stuff, have some fun. Go out there and have a great day. Thank
0: you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger.